verse 25. Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. Praise God. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Amen. Praise God. Interesting passage of scripture, one I think that is familiar to most of us, that there was something in the words of this devout man that jumped out at me when he had been promised by the Holy Ghost, you're not going to see death until you see the Lord's Christ, the Spirit leading him into the temple at just the right moment. Amen. Just the right moment. And there he finds something that was not unusual. I know you're standing, but bear with me here for just a moment. What he saw that day was not an unusual sight. This was a normal thing for parents to bring their male child to the temple, for the rabbi to circumcise him on the eighth day was not an uncommon thing. But there was something in the heart and the spirit of Simeon that he saw something else that day. And he said as he prayed, Lord, you can now let your servant depart in peace because my eyes have seen thy salvation. Hallelujah. I, I want this morning to preach to you for a little while. The Lord will help me. I want to take my title from the words of a familiar song that is sung this time of the year. And I want to just ask you a question this morning. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Would you put your Bibles down? Let's lift our hands and lift our voices and let's ask the Lord to talk to us today. Would you do that? Would you ask the Lord to give me strength today and grace? I need his touch. 
Let's everybody talk to the Lord together right now. Can we do that? Jesus. praise you now. We praise you now. Let's worship him one more time before we're seated. Hallelujah. That's it. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. 1962, there was a song that was written that quickly became a very popular Christmas carol. This song had some unusual words and it was written for a particular purpose. The author of the song had been asked by a producer to write a Christmas song. He was reticent to do it. He didn't really want to do it because he felt Christmas had become so commercialized that it really wasn't what he had always thought it should be. And they also were in the midst of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And there was looming over them the threat of nuclear war. But somehow he decided to go ahead and pick up his pen and begin to write. And he wrote those words that are so familiar, I think, to most of us. Said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? A star, a star dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. And then the song went on. It is an interesting song, especially when you understand the motives behind it. The last stanza of that song, the king uh, says to the people everywhere, pray for peace. Pray for peace. And understanding the threat that was hanging over them, you begin to comprehend a little better the purpose behind the words they chose. But I'm not here today to talk to you about a Christmas carol. I'm here to talk to you about something that I have noticed in the scripture. And it was something that, it is a phenomenon that that has been around as long as man has graced this earth. There is a problem that people face that must be rectified by the power of God. Jeremiah wrote about this. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 21. 
Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes, which have eyes, and see not, but they see not, which have ears, they have ears, and hear not, and they hear not. The word of the Lord came and said, you know, it's possible, it's possible for you to have the potential for vision and yet not have vision. It's possible for you to see the superficial and miss the depth. Jesus referred to this as well in talking to his followers as he was addressing them one day and realized that they just were missing the real point of what was going on. Uh, I believe he was alluding to Jeremiah 5.21 when he said this in Mark 8 and 18. Having eyes, see not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do ye not remember. He's asking his followers, having eyes, do you not see? Now, obviously, this morning, the purpose of both statements was not to indicate that people had a lack of physical vision, but they lacked a certain perspective. In a literal sense, they saw the physical objects. But in a spiritual sense, they failed to perceive what it was that the Lord intended for them to grasp. And it was this lack of spiritual perception that would be the reason that so few of the Jewish people would recognize the Savior for who he was. How many times did they look at one another and say, is this not the carpenter's son? Oh, they saw him, but they never really saw him. Their eyes beheld him, but the vision of their heart never went beyond the surface. Now listen, this was not a problem that was limited to the Jews. Even after salvation, we find where some Christians had the very same problem. As the Lord instructed John to write to the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have nothing, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that. Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. In verse 17 he said, You have said, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I don't need anything. But he said, you don't really recognize the fact that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind. You don't realize you're blind. And so he said in verse 18, it's my counsel to you that you buy from me gold that has been tried in the fire so that you can truly be rich. That you buy white raiment so you can be clothed and he said, I counsel you, anoint your eyes with eye salve 
There's some things you're missing, Laodicea. There's some things you're failing to see. Having eyes, you really don't see. In our text this morning, we've read in your hearing the story of this aged man who was literally living for one purpose. He was awaiting the redemption of his people. He had been told by the power of the Holy Ghost that he was not going to die until Christ was born. He had been promised that he would not see death until he had first seen the Lord's Christ. And so it was. One morning, I don't know how it all came about, Brother Sisler. I don't know if he was lying in bed wondering about the aches and pains of his old age, but somehow the Spirit of God shook him and said, Simeon, get up. You're going on a journey today. There's something that I want you to see. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to look at something today, Simeon. And so the Lord began to direct his path. I don't know if he really knew exactly where he was going. He was just following the direction of the Spirit of God. And his footsteps led him to the door of the temple. And there he stood. There were many people coming in and out of the temple that day. This was, this was just a common occurrence. Many people visited the temple on a daily basis. They went there to pray. They went there to offer sacrifices. Some of them, like Mary and Joseph, came so that their child could be included in the promises and the covenant of Abraham. For every child, every male child that was not circumcised was not counted to be a descendant of Abraham and could not enjoy the blessings associated with that covenant. So I submit to you today that Mary and Joseph were not the only ones that were bringing children into the temple. And it's very possible that they were not the only couple on that particular day. Very, very possible that they were coming along with others. But listen to what the Bible says, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 33. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Lord, now let us thy, thou thy servant depart in peace. Lord. I have now experienced everything my heart longs to experience. Let me depart in peace. According to thy word. According to your word. For mine eyes. Because my eyes. Have seen thy salvation. My eyes. Listen to me, church. He didn't say my eyes have seen another baby boy. 
He didn't say my eyes have seen another couple here to fulfill the law. He didn't say I've seen somebody else just walk into your house today. But he said I see something more here. There's something beyond the surface that others may not be recognizing. There's something else here that others may not be aware of. But my eyes have seen thy salvation. This is more than just a child. This is more than just an eight-day-old baby. This is more than just a poor couple from Nazareth that has scraped things together to get here to Jerusalem. There's more to it than this. My eyes have seen your salvation. Read. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all thy people, all uh-huh. people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and, and Joseph his mother marveled. His mother marveled at those things which were spoken. Now, now look, when I when I started reading this, I I couldn't help but wonder how many others were in the temple that day. How many people had Mary and Joseph passed? as they carried this child in, looking for the rabbi who would perform that rite, as they were on their way into the house of God, how many others saw them coming? How many others saw that little bundle of joy they held in their arms and never thought twice about it? This was not an uncommon sight. This was something that happened most likely on a daily basis. If this were only another child on his way to another circumcision. But this was so much more. It's obvious from the things that Simeon said that he saw something far different than the rest of the crowd. Read on verses 34 and 35. Simeon blessed them. Simeon blessed them. Yes. Behold, this child. He said, "Look, this child. This now. Look, look. I want to tell you something, church. Don't you know? And I think you know this, but don't buy into all these scenes that you see painted. That's got a child with a glowing halo over his head. And no, no, that's not the way it was. I'm telling you, to the natural eye, there was nothing different about Mary and Joseph and this baby. To the natural eye, they were like any other couple with their firstborn son. But Simeon wasn't looking with the natural eye. Simeon had a spiritual insight and he looked at that baby that looked so normal, that looked so natural, that looked so common and he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Read. Yea, a sword. A sword is going to pierce through thine own soul also. That the thoughts of many hearts. hearts. Listen to what Simeon said. Oh, church, I don't know if you're grasping what I'm telling you, but this man had an insight that so many were missing. This man recognized something that thousands of others failed to recognize. 
this is not just another baby. This is not just another little boy. But there's something special here. How do you know that, Simeon? He doesn't look any different. There's not a glow about him. I, I, you can believe what you want to, but I don't think, I don't think that, you know, that, that the Spirit of God was just emanating from this baby and everybody that passed by the baby felt goosebumps. I don't think that's the way it happened. I think to those who were only fixated on the carnal, only fastened upon the earthly, I don't think they ever had a clue who had just walked past them as they went through the gates of the temple. But Simeon did. Simeon saw and recognized this is not just another baby. There's something special about this one. This is the one I have lived so long hoping to see, wanting to see, desiring to see, praying to see today. I not only get to see him, but I'm holding him in my own hands. I don't know. I don't know that anybody else that day saw what Simeon saw, except one. There was one who did. Let's read on Luke 2, verses 36 to 38. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now look, the Bible said she did not leave the temple. She was there every day serving God with fasting and prayer. How many babies do you think she saw come in that, that were there for the very purpose this one was there for? How many hundreds if not thousands of children had come through the doors of the temple in the years that she been spending her every waking moment in that house of God. How many times did she see this sight? But I'm here to tell you, there was something about this woman that what she saw was not just what the natural eye beheld, but she saw something so much deeper. And she began to give thanks. And she began to tell everybody who was looking for redemption in Jerusalem, he's here. He's here. He's here. I know you're expecting a king to come riding in with a, with a flaming sword and put the Romans to flight, but that's not the way he came. He's here in the form of a baby. If you see him, you're not going to recognize him unless you've got a spiritual insight. Unless you can see something in the Holy Ghost that everybody else is overlooking. Hallelujah. So today I, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to this church today. I, I'm not here just to discuss with you what ancient people saw or the problems that the ancients had. But I wonder how many of us 
are plagued with the very same spiritual eyesight problems. I wonder how many today are sitting in the house of God thinking, well, Brother Sisler, it's just another Sunday. It's just another service. We've just sung a few more songs. The preacher's preaching another sermon, and that's all you see. But I want to tell you something's got to happen in our hearts and in our spirits that we can start seeing beyond what our natural eye allows us to see. This is not just another Sunday. This is not just another service. This is not just another sermon. We didn't come to just sing another song. But I'm telling you, God is in this house today. His presence has been evident. His power has been felt. I want to know today, do you see what I see? Can you hear what I'm hearing today? God wants to touch us on this cold wintry Sunday morning. The Holy Ghost wants to step in. God wants to do some things. God wants to take care of some problems today. But what are you seeing? What are you seeing today? What's your mindset? What's your perspective as you come into the house of God? Oh, I, I, I'm concerned because so many people only sit on a pew out of obligation. They're just going through the motions. They know the preacher's going to get on to me if I don't show up or somebody's going to call me and want to know where I am. And so I guess I better drag myself to church and all they can see is the superficial. Oh, but what, what I'm preaching about this morning is that God is looking for some folks who can open their eyes and see that there's something greater going on here. There's something more powerful going on here. This is not just another church in this city. This is not just another assembly in this metropolitan area. You hear me? God has put his hand upon this place and we've got to open our eyes and we've got to recognize there's something special going on. Hallelujah. Seems to me that the Apostle Paul recognized the danger of this common ailment. He wrote about it, prayed that the church at Ephesus would overcome it. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened being enlightened that you may know so you can know what is what the is hope the hope of his, of his calling, calling and, and what, what the, the riches, riches of, of the glory the of his inheritance in the Paul church. said I wish I wish that you could really get a vision of what you've got a hold of today there are millions that would love to feel what you've been feeling today. There are millions that would like to know what you know today. There are millions that would like to experience the gift you've been taking for granted. I'm here to tell you, God needs to open our eyes and let us see. 
got to understand that what you see determines how you'll respond. <laughs> there were others in the temple that day that saw that baby. But I don't read where they gave thanks to God. I don't read where they got excited and started telling people. What they saw was just another couple going through another ritual and they responded accordingly. But for Simeon and for Anna, they saw something more and they too responded accordingly. Listen, this is a principle that is reiterated throughout the scripture. I want you to look at something with me here. In Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse number 3, we, we know the story of the conversion of Paul, but there is something in his conversion that I think sometimes we overlook. Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about shined him round a about light, him, a light from, heaven. from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him. He heard a voice saying. Saul, Saul, Saul why persecutest thou me? Why are you persecuting me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, Jesus. whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Right. And he trembling and, he trembling and astonished, astonished said, Lord, said, Lord will, what wilt thou have me to do? What, what, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to the him, Lord said, arise, arise and go into go the, city, the city. And it shall be told thee what thou must find out what you was. Now, now listen, listen. Before he reads the next verse, we know this part of the story. We we've heard this part of the story. We've we've heard people preach about it. We've shouted about it. We've been excited about it because Paul on the road to Damascus saw this blinding light and heard a voice that said, "You've been persecuting me." And it's hard for you to do what you're doing. The voice said, go into the city. And you're going to be told what you need to do from here. We know that part. But read verse 7. And the men which joined with him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Have you ever stopped to think? Paul was not alone that day on the road to Damascus. The men which journeyed with him. Stood speechless. Stood speechless. Hearing a voice. Hearing a voice. But seeing no man. But seeing no man. Paul was not alone that day. Paul was not alone. He had traveling companions. When he was knocked to the ground, there were others there. In fact, Paul mentions them when he gives his personal testimony in Acts 22, verse 9. And they that were with me, they that were with me, saw indeed the light, saw light, and were afraid, and were afraid. But they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. They heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And then in chapter 26, he's again telling his testimony, verses 13 and 14. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven. Above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which and with me. them which the light didn't just shine on Paul. He said it shined on everybody that was with me. Read. And when we were all and gone, when we were all 
fallen to the earth. I heard a voice, I heard a voice speaking, to me, speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew, tongue, in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, 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 Saul why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick Now listen, words. listen. We know, we know there were others there, but other than the fact that they all fell to the earth, I want to ask you, what was the response of Paul's traveling companions? Do we read of them going into the city and Ananias baptizing them? Do we read of them going and receiving the Holy Ghost? They were there. They saw a light. Now in chapter 9 it says they heard no man. In chapter 22 it says they heard a voice. You got to understand the difference between the words there and one, it means they didn't understand. In other words, they heard something, but they couldn't really tell that it was a voice that was speaking. They couldn't distinguish the words. It perhaps sounded like thunder to them. But it specifically said that they saw no man. Paul did, however. Paul did see a man. You say, how do you know that? Well, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 is the first indication we have. Read. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen have Jesus Christ? Have I not our seen Lord? Jesus Christ? When did he see Jesus? At what point did Paul ever see Jesus? Well, according to Barnabas, it was there on the Damascus Road. Let me show you Acts 9 and 27. But Barnabas took him. And brought him to the apostles and declared unto declared them. Declared unto them. Read. Seen the Lord how the he had seen the Lord and that he had in the way. And that he had spoken to him. Now listen to me. There was a difference that day. There was a difference in the response. Paul or Saul at that time got up, went into Damascus, was baptized in Jesus' name, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But those that were traveling with him, we don't find that they ever had a change of heart, that they ever had a change of life. We don't find that they ever responded to what took place. I submit to you, there was a difference in what they saw. They never saw what Paul saw. They saw a light, but Paul saw the source of the light. Well, hallelujah. And what you see determines how you respond. The wise man wrote in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, where there is no vision, where there is no vision the, people perish. the people perish. Listen to me. Time after time we come into the house of God. We sit here in heavenly places together. We feel the presence of the Lord. We hear the scriptures preached. But I'm here to tell you, if the saints of God can't catch the vision that's being cast across the pulpit, you're going to end up with the same response that the Paul's traveling companions had. Somehow you got to see more than a preacher that's getting red in the face and yelling his lungs out across the pulpit. You got to see more than what you see with your physical eye but somehow you got to catch a vision you've got to see beyond the natural and let God open your spiritual eyes 
there is a principle here. It's the same thing happened when God opened the door to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. He fell into a trance. And saw heaven open. Peter saw heaven opened. And a certain vessel descending unto him. Vessel descending to him. And it had been, as it had been, a great sheet knit at the four corners Uh and let down to the earth. Right. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. The opening of the door of salvation to the Gentiles began. It began with a vision. Peter, the preacher, had a vision. He had a vision. A vision wherein God expressed to him that he was going to have to rid himself of his prejudice feelings. There were people Peter didn't want to deal with. There were people Peter didn't want to talk to because they weren't like him. And God gave him a vision and showed him, Peter, if I cleanse them, they're clean. I don't care who they are or where they come from or what their past is. If I've put my hand on them, you need to accept them. Thank God that Peter had a vision. We wouldn't be here today if a man of God had not had a vision. The church would have been limited to the Jews if a preacher had not had a vision. It started with a vision, but I'm gonna tell you the preacher wasn't the only one that had the vision. And the door didn't open to the Gentiles just because the preacher had a vision. Let's back up to verse one of this chapter, Acts chapter 10 and verse one. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, and a a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people. Yes. Prayed to God always. Prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision. He saw in a vision. A vision. It wasn't just the preacher that had a vision. Are you hearing me today? It wasn't just the pastor that got a vision that day, but there was a saint that was in prayer and God knew how to open the heavens and give that saint the same vision that the pastor got. Maybe not exactly the same picture, but the same purpose. Well, hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you, we are saved today. Gentiles have the Holy Ghost today because there was a vision both on the part of the preacher and in the pew. Oh, hallelujah. I'm here to preach today. I'm here to appeal to this church today. Amen. How many years have we preached about the vision of what God wants to do? I've been preaching it to you for over 20 years. Brother Sisler has come in. He's grabbed a hold of this vision. He's been preaching to this church. We've got to get a vision. I'm here to tell you today, we've got to get a hold of this church. We can't let this slip through our fingers. We can't go through another. 
another year like the past 20. We've got to get a hold of something that says, I see it, preacher. I see what you see. Hallelujah. I see what you see. Praise God. Praise God. Brother Sister has told us about the dream God gave him of a building that is packed. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful God gave him that dream, that vision in the night hours. God only knows how many times I've seen it. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, Brother Sistler, that you saw it. But I want to know today who else, who else can see beyond the ordinary? Who else can see beyond the physical? Who can look out on this Sunday morning when the crowd is down and, and people are out? Can we still see the vision of what God is wanting us to see? Oh, hallelujah. I think it was not long, not, not too long after they got here, I thought about it, Sister Merriman. Your husband came and told me about the dream that you had of, of seeing this church full. Oh, thank God. Thank God for everyone, Brother Brandon, that sees beyond what it looks like right now. Thank God for everyone that, that sees beyond what your physical eye is showing you. I'm not focused today on empty seats. I'm not focused today on vacant pews. I'm telling you, I see something great. I see something grand. I see something big. But I want to know new life. Do you see what I see? Oh, we are just two weeks away from a brand new year. Just two weeks away from 2016 being a thing of the past. And the curtain opening on another year, another opportunity. Is it going to be like the past years? Are we just going to be content? Look, I love to sing about how God saved me. I love to think about how he found me when I was nobody. I was nothing. I don't deserve the touch of God. I don't deserve the gift of God. I like to sing about it, but I'm afraid sometimes that that's all we want to do is rejoice that we've been saved and we forget about the thousands that are outside these walls that have never felt what we feel. Concerned that our only focus is I got to get to church because I need a touch. I got to get to church because I'm discouraged. I've got to get to church because I'm feeling down. And we don't think about the people who are ready to take their own lives because they have no hope. 
Come on, saints of God. Somehow you've got to pray, God, open my eyes. God, anoint my eyes with salve. Don't let me enter into this coming year with the same vision I've always had. But let me catch the vision that you put into the heart of our pastor. Let me catch the vision. Let me see it, God. Because what you see determines how you respond. Revelation 3 and 18, he said it. Read. I counsel thee to buy counsel thee of me gold. Buy gold. Tried in the fire. Tried in the fire. Thou mayest be rich. So you can really be rich. And white raiment that thou I, I counsel that you buy white raiment so you can be clothed. And that the shame, of, thy the shame of your nakedness do not appear. doesn't appear. And anoint thine eyes. And I counsel you, anoint your eyes with eyesalve that, that you may see. Laodicea. You don't realize how blind you are. You're not seeing what I'm seeing. You see yourself content, rich, clothed. You see yourself as needing nothing. But that's not what I see. I see a people who are in need. He said, you need some ISAF. You need, you need to see what I see. New life. I'm appealing to you on this, which will probably be the last Sunday that I get to preach to you in this year. Next year will be, next week will be a, a different service where the sister will be preaching this will probably be the last time in 2016 that I get to address this church on a Sunday. And I'm appealing to you. Don't be content with the vision you've always had. I want you to recognize something greater that's in your midst right now. I want you to understand just like Simeon did. When that baby walked in or came in, was carried in, the mom and dad walked in through the doors of the temple. Simeon, something rose up in his spirit and said, this is not just another day. This is not just another couple. This will not just be another circumcision. This is not just another ritual. But everything is changing as of today. Because I don't see a baby, I see salvation. Let's lift our hands to the Lord right now, can we? Let's lift our hands. Let's talk to him. Sister Becca, come. Let's talk to the Lord. I've left some things out this morning. I, I don't apologize. I'm doing what I feel right now. I feel like we need to have a time of prayer before we dismiss this service today. 
I feel like we need to talk to the Lord today. I, 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 don't want, I don't want to only see with my natural eyes, but I want God to give me some insight into the spirit realm. I want to see beyond what my physical eye can comprehend. I want a vision. And I'm going to tell you, church, Even the vision that God gave me, I, I have to wonder, God, even that, is that really all that you see? Or do you see more? Many years ago, not long after I became pastor here, I'd gone back home. I was preaching in my home church. When I finished preaching that day, I went and knelt down at the pew that was there on the platform and I started praying. And the elder walked over. He put his hand on me and he began to pray. And then he began to speak. And he said, dream big, my son. Dream big. It shook me. I'd already been talking to this church of how we could have a church that ran a thousand or more. I'd already been dreaming big, Brother Sisler. I thought, I thought I'd really had a high vision. But the elder shook me that day. And I realized in his words that God was saying, even what you've seen is not what I'm seeing. I see so much more. I see so much more than what you've seen. God, open my eyes today. Open my eyes today. I don't want to get locked into what my finite mind can comprehend. But I want to see what you see. How big, God? How big, God? How big? I don't want to stop short. Let me see what you see, God. Let's stand today, lift our hands to the Lord, can we? Let's talk to him together right now, everybody. Let's talk to him right now.